I need to be me. <clears throat> this was a rough one. You want to, like, take a shot, drink some water? I think this one I should do by myself. I just, like, I don't know. I just need to do it. Let me get some water. You're right. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Thank you, God, for the roof over my head, the clothes on my back, and the shoes on my feet. Dear God, thank you for my mom, my dad, granny and grandpa, my brothers and sisters, and Snoop. Lord, I want to ask you to forgive me for all of the bad things that I've done as I try to live a life more like Jesus. Dear God, please give me a friend. I feel so alone at my new school. None of the girls in my class really talk to me, no matter how much I smile. I'm really trying, Heavenly Father. I feel so alone. The other classes have more black girls, but they don't talk to me either. One of them told me I act white. It's not fair, dear God. It's not fair. I don't want to be alone anymore. In your name I pray, amen. She's Not Even Black by Tyler Monroe. I was sitting in AP history class my junior year in high school. We were discussing reparations for descendants of slaves. Most of the students in class were completely against the idea, thought it was ridiculous. The most common reason reparations for descendants of slaves was a ludicrous idea was because we, as a nation, are so beyond that. Slavery was abolished 150 years ago, so giving black people free education for something that did not happen in their lifetime, their parents' lifetime, or even their grandparents' lifetime was just absurd. My teacher, Mr. Craig, a woke white man, was trying to explain to these students that the effects from slavery are still affecting black people today. My classmates did not agree with this excuse. This debate went on for most of the one hour, 30 minute class period. Towards the end of the discussion, Mr. Craig said, okay, if you don't think slavery has had an impact on black lives today, why is Tyler the only black person in this class? There's not a shortage of African-Americans in this school. The population is representative of the U.S. population, about 40%. So why is it that we only have one in our AP Humanities course? Personally, I was so happy Mr. Craig posed this question. He was right. I was the only black person, not female, person in all of my AP classes. I was used to teachers and students calling me out any time there was a discussion about race or slavery or Jim Crow laws or Harriet Tubman or lynching or the Harlem Renaissance. 
I knew I was the spokesperson for the African-American race. I knew I was that black person those people talk about when they make that racist comment and say, I'm not racist. I have a black friend to justify their unwarranted, undesired, bigoted comments. Why is Tyler the only black person in this class? What a phenomenal question. Would you like to know the first response someone blurted out? She's not even black. My face flushed. I looked at Mr. Craig, flabbergasted. She's not even black. Took me a second to process. She is not even black. You ask me my opinion about race, slavery, Jim Crow laws, Harriet Tubman, lynching, and the Harlem Renaissance during in-class discussions. You look at me every time the word nigger is in our textbook. You ask me if I can cook fried chicken. You ask me if my hair is naturally an afro when I get out of the shower. You ask me if I know what part of Africa my ancestors came from. You tell me I look like Alicia Keys. You tell me you've never had a black friend before. You follow me around in retail shops. You tell me you're surprised that I'm not on the varsity basketball team, but I'm not even black. Right, Tyler? You aren't all the way black. You're mixed with something, right? Oh, I see. She's not even black? It means there are no black people in this class, Mr. Craig. It means black people don't get into this class, Mr. Craig. They don't get into these kinds of classes. Being black isn't enough to get into this class. It means any black person would have to be a percentage of another race to be in this class. Mr. Craig responded. Well, I believe that proves my point. Jumped by Nia Marie. I've never felt so alone, so deeply alone and unprotected. Never have I questioned my relationships based on race, gender, or sexual orientation. Shit, I even question their upbringing. Everybody's fucking upbringing. Who are we? How dare we treat others like this? That is the only way that I can preface the story. That is the only way that I can even begin talking about it without feeling the rage of 10,000 men, without feeling the need to be violent all over again. This is an ode to my vulnerable black female body. They look sketch. Those three words shifted my entire life experience, brought me crashing down to earth in a way I never knew was possible. They look sketch. I'm not even sure if that's the phrase anymore, but the power is there. Emotion bubbles in the pit of my stomach as wave after wave of anxiety, sadness, and frustration roll through my body. The speaker was my friend, a very dear friend whom after three years of secret keeping shoulders to cry on, scrounging the campus for free food and freedom fighting in the name of racial, sexual, and economic liberation, set my black ass up. He said it in reference to a large group of black bodies in front of us. It was nearly three in the morning on the north side of Chicago. The only people on that side of the street were us 
one white gay male, one Vietnamese gay male, a multi-ethnic Asian woman, and me, and them, a large group of black folks. On a different day, maybe even that same one just a little earlier, I would have called them my brethren. Not now. Two women instantly turned around. What did you say? Because I am who I am, a protector and strong as a motherfucker, I responded like the true mom. Nothing, don't worry about it, we're crossing the street. And across the street we went. My heart pumped as the pit in the bottom of my stomach grew larger and larger. Breath labored. The two women from the group followed us. What did you say? You got a problem? Nah, we straight. Now this was my upbringing. Not my experience on a daily basis, but definitely something I was taught. You ain't no punk ever and always be ready to throw hands if need be. My troop of friends hurriedly continued down the street. We'd been drinking all night and found ourselves walking to IHOP rather than taking a cab, only because the two men insisted. Now we were walking two by two, me and the other woman up front and the men in the back. This black bitch thinks she white. Who the fuck does she think she is? This black bitch thinks she's white? The words cut through my skin just as they had in the seventh grade, just like they did every fucking time someone came from my blackness. No mind that my hair was in a natural fro. No mind that I spoke and fought on the behalf of black women every chance I had, because right now I was a black bitch that shot, thought she was white. The fucking irony. Please continue. We are straight. Y'all need to chill with all that. My girlfriend tried to calm me down. Aw, oh, hell nah. This black bitch thinks she white? Shawty in the red look good, though. Yeah, she's sexy as fuck. That black bitch, though, is whack. And then the unthinkable. My friends in the back let the women break through. A barrage of fists hit me in the head. For the first time in my life, I felt the fury of a stranger. The shorter girl and I took off in front. I must have gotten the best of her because eventually she pulled away. I turned around and saw that the taller woman with red hair had grabbed my friend's ponytail and was whacking him on the sides of his head as he screamed. My girlfriend was pulling the stranger's arm. Let him go, I screamed. She told me to come back and make her. I did. And as soon as I did, a part of me wished I hadn't. A part of me wished that I wasn't the true mom, wished that these two men who both stood above 5'10 were the ones protecting my five one and a half. The two women took it as their opportunity to teach this black bitch a lesson and ruthlessly attacked. In the midst of four fists coming at my face, the taller redhead palmed my face into the glass of a storefront window. I heard the echo of the impact of my head to the glass and the crowd took a collective breath. At that instant, I knew that this was no longer game. I knew that my life was in danger, and I was truly the only one who was going to get myself out of it. So with the rage of a wrong black woman, I windmilled, pulled, and scratched my ass from in between, screaming, get the fuck off me! Everybody get the fuck off me! Let's go! I ordered. The white man I was with had stood on the side of the entire fight, shocked, did nothing like a fucking boyer. We were just blocks away from a police station. The girls weren't done. But thankfully, their friends insisted that they leave us alone. The Asian guy, my dear friend, cried on the side while my girl went to comfort him. I screamed and cried in the front, angry at the fucking world as we walked to their apartment. When we finally got there, I felt so guilty, so responsible for the fight. I called my sister and sobbed on the toilet as my friend held me. I sobbed on the Kybra home and I sobbed myself to sleep. I was so deeply hurt and wounded so deeply hurt by the women I fought for and loved. I had believed in them. I held true that my survival was deeply connected to theirs. A win wasn't won unless it included them. And my friends, 
The Asian man didn't speak to me for days. Guilt turned to anger as I recounted time after time what happened. The simple answer was for them to step the fuck up. They weren't the people that I needed them to be. That moment was more than a crazy story for me. Unlike them, I can't talk about it and laugh as I recall that night. The very nature of our existence is different. My world insisted that I be strong and ready to defend whoever I loved at the drop of a dime. Theirs did not. And when those worlds unfortunately met, I was left alone, sad, isolated, and hurt. Am I truly a burden to those around me? Why wasn't I worth protecting? daughter to be in her class. These words stung my pride and my fragile ego on my first day as a teacher. I looked down at my very teachery outfit, dressed to the knee, cardigan, two-inch heels. Satisfied it wasn't my wardrobe choice, I resigned myself to the fact that it was my blackness that made her uncomfortable with me teaching her daughter. My black co-teacher and I were two of three non-Latina teachers on a staff of over 40, and some of the parents weren't having it. At least two other parents asked for a transfer that day none of which were honored to the credit of my administration and staff. Still, the parents' sentiment was clear. How dare we have this skin, only shades darker than theirs? How dare our respective colonizers drop our ancestors off in the United States and Barbuda instead of the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico? Cause let's be real, the only discernible difference between us is that my colonizers spoke English and theirs spoke Spanish. I was particularly unprepared to distinguish myself from Latin Americans because I grew up in a multicultural family where two of my uncles married Mexican women and one married a Puerto Rican. To that point in my life, non-black white cultural differences just meant good eating. My mother further instilled this idea of sameness in me with sage sayings such as, if you ain't white, you're black. Seven years later, this year, while trying to explain the hurt of this rejection to a Dominican coworker friend, I said, she didn't know me. I hadn't done anything wrong. I was Georgetown educated. She interrupted me at this point and said, Check your privilege, son. Her presumption, a false one, was that I was the one judging as opposed to the one being judged. In fact, it was that parent who should have checked her privilege, her perceived superiority over me and my skin. I didn't argue the point. Why? Because after living 30 years in this skin, I often feel tired of fighting. And so the isolation continues. The feeling of being different and misunderstood, the inherent knowledge that if I dare to stand up for myself, I'll be perceived as an angry black woman, no matter how calmly and precisely my arguments are delivered. You know the drill. It's been articulated by better writers than me ad nauseum. I felt that same isolation on innumerable occasions during my teaching career. When the African girl in the English as a second language class was called a monkey, when I was called on Jemima by multiple coworkers when I wore a head wrap to school, when a student told me to go back to Africa, when my coworkers have said, insert name, Mike Brown, Trayvon Martin, Freddie Gray, probably did something to deserve it, and on and on and on. When I take the time to think critically about why this hurts more than other prejudices I faced, prejudices perpetrated by white people, I recognize that it's because I view all people in the diaspora as allies. It's no different than when we inexplicitly get angrier at our friend who laughs at a joke at our expense than at the person who made the joke. I'm just looking for loyalty. I'm looking for some sisterhood. And it's hard for me to reconcile those little hurts, which add up to big hurts, with the beautiful culture and experiences I've gotten to share the last seven years. 
And frankly, I don't know why I should have to. I don't know why black people are only recognized as criminals instead of as the initiators of civil rights, doctors, and damn good teachers. And so I smile and pray that it conveys a message to every parent that questions my qualifications. I'm gonna teach your child. And in the process, I'm gonna teach your ungrateful ass too. The only thing my black skin says about me is that I don't give up easy. It says that no matter what fucked up shit you or this country does, I can be anything I want, even presidents of the United States of America. These seven years working in predominantly Latina schools, I have felt my sameness and my differences. I have felt companionable love and devastating loneliness. But above all else, I have felt the determination to remind all poor and disenfranchised people that if you ain't white, you're black. Hello everyone, my name is Nia Marie, and you're listening to The Inky Comment. This week's episode focuses on social isolation, being black and alone. One is the magic number, y'all. So The Inky Comment is something that I thought of because I feel like narratives of black folks are so limited to what is actually felt and experienced on a day-to-day basis. So mostly pulling from my own lives and those of people around me, I'm hoping to expand that narrative to include stories that reflect what is actually going on to give voice and to give power to the esteem of black folks. So that's why this episode for me is so important because growing up in Denver, I was always alone. A motherfucker was always the only black person in the class. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I'm like, oh, shit, we got to have a whole episode on being the only person. Because even as an adult, I still feel like I'm the only person. Um, So, yeah, this is Nia Marie. And I have with me Marley Pierce. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's right. I've known Marley since the seventh grade. We just became friends last year. That's right. It took us some years, but it's all good. We're getting there. We are getting there. Um, but yeah, no, so that's why this episode is so important to me because, um, like, being alone and being the only black person, I just feel like when you're trying to get ahead, I feel like it's synonymous. You know what I mean? Like, it is, like, if you are a successful black person, then you also have to, like, be okay with being, like, the token. Like, here you go. <laughs> Here's your token hat. Yeah, do you feel like there's, like, a connection between blackness and loneliness, like, historically? Oh, hell yeah. Like, if you're just thinking about, like, the African diaspora, like, just being taken in the middle of the night, like, just the Middle Passage, just, like, that experience in and of itself, or just on on the plantation, when, like, your entire family is going to be, like, ripped and sold from you at, like, at any moment, or even now, when your family can be, like, imprisoned at any moment, or when you have to, like, to get a good education, you've got to be the only black person in the class, like, in blackness there are just so many levels of loneliness and um we don't talk about how lonely we are Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of times like societally too that loneliness is coded as really negative like do you when you say lonely do you feel like it's a negative oh yeah no it's so and it's like an element of weakness too like an element like a weakness and then defect but i think that's another story well i I don't know i'm just thinking about like the strength that like black people have developed like because they've experienced loneliness like 
you know, like, it, it is, like, a negative condition to be lonely, but I feel like there's so much strength that, unfortunately, has had to be, like, adaptive and, you know. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I think that, like, there is, like, you learn how to take care of yourself, you know what I mean? Like, you learn how to, like, look, you know, to... Also, while looking over your back, like, being successful at the same time while looking over your neck and your shoulder. Like, I think especially in, like, the um, the school setting. Like, you know, like, the... I, I feel like people talk about it all the time, but the need to be, like, twice as good as your white. Totally. And I feel like, I don't know, like, with all the stories from, like, this episode, all of them, if you think about it, and maybe that's just because, like, the people... The type of people you attract, but, like, they're all, like, incredibly successful black women. Mm-hmm. You know, like, in their fields, they're talking about being lonely, and at the same time, like, you know, Nicole is, like killing the game and like a really successful teacher who's highly educated and like changing kids lives like tyler has an awesome education like i don't know her that well yeah what's tyler doing she's killing it in chicago she's also killing it (laughs) she's doing a great job in chicago you're killing it i'm you know i'm killing it hello hello i'm flipping my hair y'all i'm flipping my hair (laughs) (laughs) that's right yeah, no, that's that's real. Like, there is loneliness in, in success, and um, especially as a black person. And I think that, like, but that loneliness, I don't think is acknowledged by the company that is within there. Like, I think that, like, the white students in Tyler's classroom had no idea, probably, how lonely Tyler was feeling. And if they did know, they probably didn't care that much. Mm-hmm. Or, like... When I got jumped, <laughs> you know what I mean? That was a targeted behavior and act. And it was, like, very hard for the people that I were that I was with, with the exception of one, to really see beyond it in that moment and really be there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, with my sister, the Latina community or Latino community that she teaches in, like, are they seeing her and, like, seeing her humanity? Because I think that there's the other part, which brings me to my next point, is I think that the humanity of black folks, and particularly the hum- humanity of black women, isn't often acknowledged Mm -hmm. and people don't act from a place where they see the humanity of a black woman yeah no it's kind of crazy like I even think about like like to bring the current events like when um the gorilla that was recently killed oh yeah like imagine I don't know I even see loneliness in that situation because of how the internet like and all of you know a lot of social media was like this mom like what a terrible mom she let her kid get in there like and it's like that's a really isolating experience like she obviously loves her child like she right now like she didn't And then also, like, who are you choosing to defend and protect? Like, she didn't push the kid in the yeah. in the cage. Like, that was a complete accident. But then, the like, the white child was murdered at Disneyland exactly. or was killed at Disneyland by an alligator. And we that family in and we're being like, oh, my God, like, let's send over the casserole. Like, we're so sorry. Exactly. Like, you know, like, let's build a community to support you. Yeah. That social isolation, oh, my God, that's such a great point, is everywhere. And I think that, like, we feel it on such a daily basis that we are moving through the world at many times alone and we just don't acknowledge it. And I think that's why it's so important to me, like, why I get so excited when I have, like, the black coworker friend or, like, the friend in class that was also black. You're like, hey, girl, how you doing? You know and, what I mean? Know, this really goes back to also why in middle school, gym you were like, hey, yo, Marley's black! <laughs> right? That's like, exactly. I'm not the only one. Exactly. I was like, who else is the nerd black girl in my high school? Marley like, is who black. Could possibly be more awkward in her blackness than me? Marley. <laughs> exactly. Y'all don't think Marley's black, but her mama is black. I guarantee you. Let I got a picture you, in my I'm not phone. alone. I'm not alone. Exactly. Exactly. Social isolation is so real. It will drive you to out people about oh, their race. Yeah. Like, I was outing you about your race. Totally. Which is like, 
I don't know. I, I think. It but was, I mean, it's yeah. also like a larger thing of like, why was I in a position where exactly. outing? You know, like that's real. Probably just be myself. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I won't speak for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, that social isolation and that like need for community anywhere that you can get community is like so real because that community can really be what saves you in moments from life or death. So I think it's like let's talk about each of the pieces now. Um, yeah. Let's like, start with. We want to start with yeah. The prayer. Like, we can go and just go in order. Oh, yeah. How'd you write that? Or, like, what's that about? Um, so the prayer is just loosely based on, like, my just experience in middle school. In middle school, that's when I met you. Um, like, <laughs> I came to my middle school late because I went to a, a Montessori program that went until the sixth grade. And so I came into this middle school that was sixth through eighth grade in the Highly Gifted and Talented program. There was, like, two other black girls in my grade, everyone else. It was, like, actually pretty multicultural thinking about it, but there was just such a stigma around blackness that, like, I just didn't have friends for a very long time. Yeah, so did you, like, know from immediately that it was because you were black? Yes. <laughs> did they tell you? Um, one of them did. Mm-hmm. I mean, they... <laughs> damn. <laughs> I won't say their names because we're cool <laughs> now. But um, they basically were like, you know, we thought you were going to be mean like the other black mm-hmm. girls. And just kind of, like, this association of, like, black and meanness. And, you know, like, I was really trying really hard to be nice at first. Yeah. Granted, I totally transformed into a bully, you know, yeah. later yeah. on. But, like, what were the reasons why I became mean? Yeah, it's interesting, too, to see, like, the stigma that, like, you know, like, these stereotypes. Like, obviously, we know they're painful. And, like, you know, thinking that every black woman is angry or that other black girls are mean is bad in and of itself. But then it also creates isolation, like, within black people generally because like they can't find friends outside of at least in your elementary classroom oh no that are in the middle school no that's so so real like we are all on islands of ourselves or we're like seemingly like oh we're in a dark room right and there's spotlights (laughs) on each of us and none of us are like really trying to like cross that darkness yeah that might be too deep but (laughs) not that deep actually but it might just be too much (laughs) (laughs) you're like we gotta touch the bottom Oh my gosh, you're so rude. Um, but yeah. Anyways, let's go on to Tyler's piece. You felt you you really connected with Tyler. Oh yeah, Tyler's piece, and maybe it's also just because like I'm super light skinned and like you know can pass from basically like <laughs> you better rock them credentials, like, girl. Like moderately ethnic, you know. Like I feel like people are like <laughs> like they're like. We shouldn't say too terrible of things around her, but we're not sure what, you know. (laughs) But I'm still very comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel threatened. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, we can still say terrible things. Anyway, Tyler's piece, like, really, I think, resonated with me because I was, like, throughout my life, but especially in high school, I think, is when I realized that, like, my blackness, like, people only see my blackness when it's convenient to them. Mm -hmm. Anytime that, like, I'm, like, trying to tell people about my mom, they're like, that's not your mom, but she's not black. Or, like, you know, just, like, stupid, like, little things that happen. Like, they're like, oh, Marley's white just like us. Like, don't worry about it. But then, like, as soon as, like, it's perceived as my blackness is giving me a benefit, so, like, when I got into colleges that, like, maybe some of my white peers didn't get into, they would be like, well, you put down black, right, on your application. That must be it. And so, yeah, so, like, Tyler's thing really resonated with me where it's, like, your blackness is invisible unless it's benefiting you and then they're like you're hella black do it all along affirmative action terrible people exactly (laughs) mike brown was killed because he did a bad thing exactly not because mike brown was was black yeah and i don't know but like in that in that in in her story it's like 
her blackness is totally erased because it serves white interest, you know, because yeah. they're like, no, in that too, moment, in that moment, exactly. It's mm-hmm. too uncomfortable to talk about the fact that our school is racially divided and segregated and black people are not given the opportunity to educationally progress. Like we, we are not going to talk about that. So you're not black. Like exactly. you're, you're out here cause you're just like us. You're not black. Yeah. But then like, Oh, like she can really dance or like, Oh, she's on the basketball team. Then you can see her blackness. Yeah. Or if we want to talk about slavery. Yeah. <laughs> or like exactly. she said in the story, Harry Tubman, um, is Tyler yeah. in the room? Tyler, yeah. yes. Oh, Tyler. Uh, what is your opinion on like literally searching for in the crowds? But also just like thinking about kind of like the shared experiences that like Latino communities have with black people. Like we as people of color don't talk about those differences or talk about, like, the prejudice that goes between both of those communities publicly. But we, like, I feel like in order for people of color to reclaim our power and to really just, like, to not exist on the margins, we have, there has to be some collective action and some collective just, like, shared, just acknowledgement of, like, shared experiences, like, both present day and historically. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that's the whole thing of racism is, yes, there's, like, the white people or the people at the top who are, like, saying awful things and doing awful things and building these systems that disadvantage all of us and people of color. But then it, they're also building systems that force people of color to brawl with each other and take each other down. And it's like, no, 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 like, we're fighting the same monster. Like, we don't really need to get caught up in this, like, at each other's throats. Exactly. Like, we're all black. Right? Like, <laughs> we're all black if you ain't white. Like, I mean, we really are. I really, I like, that was my mom, too. Nicole is my sister, y'all. Um, <laughs> so, also, though, the jumped piece. The first thing is that, like, it also feeds into the whole idea of where is that community, you know? When it becomes people of color pitted against other people of color, like, even, like, black women versus black women. Yeah. And then also just, like, I think really going back to, like, differences in upbringings. Like, if you grow up mm-hmm. in a certain neighborhood or you have, a, like, not that I had, like, a certain upbringing. I'm not going to claim that at all. Um, but there were definitely things that, like, I know as far as, like, if it's late, if it's late at night, I'm not going to, like, draw attention to myself. And then when the, <clears throat> when then when things escalated, not being able to follow through with protecting me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I remember, like, after that happened, like, having some real issues. Because I was, like, here I am, like, all about these, like, crossing, like, inter- like, crossing communities and being cool with everybody and, like, having allies that look different than me and, like, being allies for other people, like, in every space and every identity. And then, like, that was a real moment, like, of needing somebody else. Like, there are very few moments, I think, that, like, in life that we are tested as far as, like, our loyalty. Um, and that was one of them. Yeah, like, you physically needed another person there to, like, protect you from being punched. Right? <laughs> or, like... like- You physically needed someone to be there, like, to show up and be there. Right, and it literally took my head, like, hearing the echo of my head against a window to actually be like, oh, nothing but the guardian angels above you. Mm -hmm. Like, on some real shit. Like, there's no one else but, like, your grandmas are probably, like, (laughs) like, all the people, like, (laughs) we need to get in there and save her because those motherfuckers ain't doing shit. Like, I hate to laugh about it, but, like, honestly, like, there was a crowd of, like, 12 black people around me, like, outside of us, 12 mm-hmm. other people who happen to be black, and just even that scary moment, like, I'm thinking the whole time, like, what if they're, like, this isn't done, and, like, they further this action, like, we all know what Chicago is, y'all hear about it on the news all the time, like, this could have gone so much worse than it did, and it's just, like, really hard, because I loved those people, mm-hmm. um... Yeah, I feel like there's such a sense of entitlement in that, in your friend's actions, no offense to whoever they are, but just, like, 
clearly they haven't been, like, in a cir- Well, it sounds to me, like, from the story, they haven't been in circumstances where, like, they feel physically unsafe. Like, it's not something that they think about ever. So they're like, I'm just going to walk where I want to walk. and not- Whereas I feel like a lot of us have, like, learned unsafety, you know? Like, have learned, like, this is not where I walk. This is not what I do. This is not how I, like, carry myself because it's not safe for me to do that. Right? And there's, like, so much privilege in that, right? Like, if yeah. you've lived a life where you never had to look over your shoulder or you mm-hmm. never even had to, like, second-guess your feelings mm-hmm. or, or change like, your actions. change your actions or, like, even policing what you're going to say in mm-hmm. certain settings. Like, if you are, have no fear of ever being attacked, then that's something that you do. And that was also, like, an upbringing issue. Like, after that moment, I was like, who can I, like, who can I really hang out with? Mm-hmm. Like, here I am having this, like, multi culty friend group. <laughs> <laughs> the multi culty group. The rainbows. You know, the rainbows. Yeah. Like, yeah. Jesse Jackson would have been so yeah. proud of us. And, like, after that, I was like, wait, who the fuck is in my crew? Who's in my circle? Like, I can't go out with you guys. And, like, since then, like, actively stopped going out with people because, like, that's trauma. I can't oh, yeah. erase that moment. You know what I mean? Like, that was actually a real lived experience. Um, but how do you, like, hold people accountable? Because it was like, regardless of me being their friends, like, even after the fact, they couldn't separate my blackness from the, like, from those other women. Or they couldn't accept my actions from those of the other those other women. And also could never took accountability. For or, starting it. For, for starting it. There was never, hey, I'm sorry, Nia, that I wasn't there for you. Mm-hmm. Ever. Um, instead it was like literally me listening to them laughing about it as they talked to somebody else. There's that. Which like extends the voyeurism. <laughs> like it's one thing to stand there and be like, oh shit, like I can't do anything. I'm just watching this. Like I'm not saying that's okay. But it's one thing to do that. It's another thing to then tell the story of it. And laugh. You know, it's like another level to and like, laugh. Yeah. And laugh. And to not, sorry, not yeah. to cut you off, but to not acknowledge it like, um, I was afraid riding the train for a while. Like at the time yeah. I was working downtown, like I had a little, a cool internship and, um, like my train ran through the neighborhood that like I went through. So it was like, it was very easy for me to run into those girls if that's what the universe wanted. Praise God. The universe did not give me that because I would have fallen out <laughs> and they called my other crew and I called all my black friends that went crazy after I told them the story. Like, how I went to, like, told the story to my black friends and how they were like, wait, what? Who are you hanging out with? And how that, like, that was what I needed as far as, like, affirmation that, like, I need someone that's going to fight next to me. Yeah. Literally would throw a punch if they needed to. Exactly. Because that's what my lived daily experience has. Mm -hmm. And when you're trying to, like, when you're going into these other... I don't know, circles, you just become isolated in ways that I never knew. Mm-hmm. Like, who knew that that was a form of isolation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like double isolation, too, because it's from your friends who, your multi rainbow, isolated from them, and then also, like, isolated from these other, like, black people who otherwise you would have been like, mm, no big deal, like, just some black people on the street, you know? Right, exactly. But they were like, nah, you ain't, you ain't my, you ain't my kind. Yeah, you're not, she's, she thinks she's white. Right? This black bitch thinks she's white. And, like, how many times have we heard that? <laughs> have you heard that before? Well, people think I'm white. So. <laughs> it's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I've heard like I've heard other like black people talk about that too. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard you people talk about that. I've heard other black people. Okay. <laughs> you people. <laughs> Just kidding. Um yeah. And then Nicole schooled. 
Well, I just think it's interesting, too, because that's something that, like, when I started teaching the predominantly, like, Latino community, um, just, like, even, like, thinking about the reception of me from my students, by my students, in comparison to, like, the white teachers. They, like, were, like, over-enthused, especially, like, by the white men, and how that was never anything, right? They Sorry, love men teachers in general, I'm just, especially white men, but men teachers in general, I feel like everyone's like, oh my god, amazing, you're doing such good work for the community. Right? And it's like, just because he's a man doesn't make him a good teacher. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, right? Like, granted, we definitely do need... We need, do need more men teachers. We do need we more do. men teachers. But at the same time, you shouldn't discredit the, like, efforts of women. all the women who have been lifting up your children for centuries. <laughs> like, exactly. Because this was a profession that was yeah. seen as women, right? Or, like, was seen only for women yeah. like how many times do when like there's female like this is a tangent yeah. but when there's like <laughs> female doctors but are we like oh my god thank god we have more women we're doctors not. Yeah. we're not yeah. we're like apprehensive and don't want to go to them yeah. or like female oh my god women pilots especially oh yeah like we're, we don't want to ride yeah. in those planes I mean I do <laughs> <laughs> I don't like flying yeah but. you don't even like planes but, <laughs> but yeah double standard anyway <laughs> back to being a, um, a black teacher a black teacher oh yeah black teacher Latino neighborhood all of it, all of that to say that it's it's so true, and like these types of like biases, um, it both explicit and implicit, really just start in childhood, and they start from parents. So oh, as much yeah. as like we need to educate our students, we like we what families. everything we need to educate families because everything that's done during the day is like unraveled as soon as mm-hmm. you go home. Like if you're a little kid and you see your parent doing that, or like you're even hearing your parents having conversations about like, oh, we gotta get um so and so like out of this class. We're trying to switch. Like you take in that messaging, you know, like as a like a second grader, third grader, whatever it was. Like yeah. you're learning. Like your parents are teaching you like what types of teachers you don't have, and like even if you can't name it as a kid, you're seeing like, oh, black bad can't be with that teacher. But there's just so many similarities, I feel like, especially in their stories because it's like a school setting, but I think just like in all of us, right, there was this like false hope and belief that we had in our communities and the people around us to do better for us than they were ever going to do, you know? Um, Like we had hope that they would allow us into their communities, that they would, you know, really treat us as sisters, that they would be loyal, that there would be loyalty, that there would even be like an actual acknowledgement of humanity, that they would see us. And that these were people that we operated with and that we like, you know, that we spent time with on a daily basis and how that still that basic human right was not given. And that to me is very deeply sad because I think that like, this is like three very, like very small examples of things that I think happen every day in this country, all around the world, that we just don't talk about. Like, we do not see blackness. We do not see black people for who they are. We don't fully see us, you know? Um, We don't see us as, like, we don't see us for who we are, and the Tyler's example. We don't see the humanity, or like, the need to protect, in my example. And in Nicole's example, we don't even see, like, the greatness in the work that we produce. 
like even the good product, like the good things about being black. You know what I mean? Like for those that are successful, like my sister went to Georgetown, like was an awesome special education teacher. And that did not matter. What about you? I don't know. I guess the question that's sticking for me is like, where do you go from there? Like, I think the first step is there's, I mean, I feel like there's probably some cheesy quote about this, but like, if everyone is lonely, isn't no one lonely then? You know, like, you have to begin, like, I feel like we have to move towards recognizing each other's loneliness. Yeah. But, like, also just, like, accountability in building, like, of people within our communities. Like, there needs to be, like, there. you should hold me accountable to, like, being there for you. And that should be okay. Mm-hmm. And I should be more willing to be there for you. Or, like, we should just be there for, like, we should be willing to be there for more black people. I mean, I think that, like, loneliness is, like, a product of this, like, horrible thing. And I think that good things have happened, fr- like, from it. Because we fought through it. Because we fought through it. But I don't think that, like, we should sit in our loneliness. Exactly. And I think that, like, loneliness happens as, like, a as, like, a condition that's been placed on us. You know what I mean? Like, we were kidnapped in the middle of the night. We were stolen. Mm -hmm. That was, like, loneliness that someone was, like, here, you, this is your, like, this is what you have to have. Like, our families were, like, broken up. Mm -hmm. Our families are continuing to be broken up. Like, there are outside forces that are, like, forcing loneliness on us. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that we should, like, operate that, like, this is all that we can have. Mm -hmm. I would also like to dedicate this episode to all of the victims of random violence. I'm, like, most recently, like, right now I'm thinking about the victims of, like, the Orlando shooting, but also just, like, any act of violence on a daily basis, like, mm-hmm. any life that is lost for no reason, recklessly. Yeah, and even to the violence that, like, no one else sees and no one else tells, like, it's still real. It is still real. If you're still in your isolation right now, you know, that story's isolated for you, it's still real. <laughs> right. And, like, get out of it. Like, I mean. Start a podcast. Start a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> like, start something. Go see a therapist. Like, find community. Don't hang out with those people Call no Mia. more. Call find me. other light-skinned folks. Tell them they're black. <laughs> Don't let these white people be walking around. Just kidding. Just kidding. We all black. It's not what yeah, my, yeah, we all black my mama said. Yeah. If you ain't white, you're black. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> on that note. Thank you for listening to the first episode of the Comment. The second one will be out soon, and it is all about appropriation of black culture. Bye, y'all.